Hello, awesome people. It is Candace Eisner here with you again. And this week I wanted to give you three quick tips for tax time. Welcome to Life Beyond the Massage Table, a podcast for massage therapists, or really anyone who works in health and wellness. I'm here to help you take a look at your business and practice in new ways, to think outside the box, and to shift gears from the same old stuff that isn't helping you build the life and the business that you really want. Let's get started. Hey guys, happy Monday. Um, If you are listening to this on the day the podcast is released, today is uh, family day in Ontario. It's, uh, what do we call it? forget what it's called in Nova Scotia. Nova Scotia is where I grew up. You'd think I would remember these things. Anyway, it's a holiday in a lot of Canada this week. And I'm also told in the US a few of you get it off because it's President's Day. Anyway, I hope you guys are having a great Monday and are enjoying some time off with uh, loved ones. Now, This week's topic might be a bit dry for some of you, but honestly, I think it's a really important topic to cover because it's kind of the thing that we like to avoid, right? Is thinking about taxes. Like none of us really love thinking about taxes. We don't like having to pay them. We know it's important. Like I think most of us would agree that taxes are important for, you know, the our society, for, you know, our lives to be better because of government services that are paid for via taxes. However, it still doesn't mean that we love tax time. I mean, no, I don't think anybody loves tax time except for maybe accountants. And even they don't always love tax time because it's busy to the point of being overwhelming sometimes. So yeah, I wanted to just do a little podcast on uh, filing your taxes and just some tips that you can use to really make the time a little easier and to make the filing process easier to make your life a little easier. Now for this year, for 2018, it might be a little too late to implement some of these things, but you could start now and that way for next year's taxes for the, for filing 2018 and 2019, um, it'll make your life a lot easier. So it might be worth it to you. So I want to start with the disclaimer. I hope this is obvious, but I am not an accountant. I am not a financial advisor. I am just giving you guys advice based on over a decade of working for myself, okay? This is what this is about. It's not about giving you professional advice on how to do your finances and do your taxes. If you need that stuff, please do find a professional who understands your profession and can give you advice very specific to your situation, okay? Um, The other thing I want to say is do double check anything I say with the specifics for your jurisdiction. Don't just take my word for it. Um, I hope you guys aren't just going to take my word for it. Um, So yeah, look it up. I do know uh, Canada's situation much better than the situation in other countries, given I do live in Canada. I do file my taxes in Canada. I don't file my taxes in any other jurisdictions because I work solely in Canada. Um, I do also know from talking to Americans that their situation is similar, but it's not exactly the same. So if you are an American listener, this advice could be good general advice and, you know, definitely listen to the episode if having some advice for getting ready for tax time is useful to you. But again, the situation may not 100% apply to how things are done there with the IRS. Okay, so let's launch right into this topic. Here are my three big tips for getting yourself ready for tax time to make tax time so much more comfortable and easier for you. Number one is get yourself organized. At least once a month, you should be going through and getting things ready in your accounting. 
So you're going to be really glad that you did this. Just trust me on this one. It's really no fun to discover six months after you've made a major purchase, which you're going to be able to use as a claim on your tax return in order to pay less taxes. It's going to suck when six months later you can't find that receipt. You know you bought the thing. You have no idea where you put the receipt, right? Or it's going to suck when... Uh, it's six months later and you're looking at this receipt and it's one of those old fashioned style receipts from a printer, you know, that you still, the types of receipts we still receive day to day from say like grocery stores or myself, if I shop at uh, Staples, which is a, a um, office supply store here in Canada, uh, you know, you're re- trying to read the receipt and you're squinting at it, but it's faded and you can't really read it anymore. It's not really obvious what the receipt was for. And you're going, well, you know, this was $200 and I'd like to be able to write that off, but I don't remember what it was for. That sucks. You don't want that situation. So it's really better if once a month you are processing these items instead of waiting forever and ever and ever and putting it off because you don't like doing it. And trust me, I have done this many times in the past, so I speak from experience here. It's way easier if you just make the time at least once a month. Once a week is better if you're if you're um, making a lot of purchases and seeing a lot of different clients and stuff. Uh, if, if you can make the time once a week to just quickly go through and do those things, it will make your life easier. But once a month at the bare minimum, you should be doing that kind of stuff. Another tip on this um, general idea is scan your receipts into software, okay? Don't just leave the paper receipts in a box because, you know, like I just said, they can fade, they can get lost, you can, you know, forget what they were for. So, It's to your benefit to actually scan them in and keep them in software properly categorized by what it was you purchased and why that is helpful to your business. Um, For myself, I have a FreshBooks account that I use to do these things. So you can add receipts to invoices. So... Um, or you can just add receipts in general, add them in as expenses. Um, I have a FreshBooks account because my husband used to work for FreshBooks, full disclosure. So that's why I use them. Um, but there are other things out there. You don't have to use FreshBooks if you look at it and you go, well, I, you know, I'm not so sure this is a good match for what I do. Um, I've heard good things about Receipt Bank. That is literally just software that helps you take pictures of your receipts and keep them. And it will integrate into your accounting software. Well, I shouldn't say it will integrate into all your accounting software, but it integrates into quite a few different accounting software. So uh, check that one out if that sounds like it might be something that works for you. It's a desktop app as well as a phone app. Um, Full disclosure, I've never used it, but I have heard good things about it. Um, Just like I said, make sure it does encounter integrate into your accounting software. And by the way, you are using accounting software, right? You're not just kind of like writing things down and hoping that come tax time, you remember what you did. Really, you should be. Accounting software will make your life a lot easier. Again, I use FreshBooks. Um, There are other things out there, which I'll talk about in a second. But using software to track your accounting really is to your benefit because it will help you see not only what you're making, but what you're spending, what you're spending it on. If it seems like maybe you're spending too much money on business things and not making enough money to justify the expenses, you kind of have to look, you know, track these things if you're working for yourself or you're, you own a small clinic. Trust me, you don't want to come to a situation where you're going, oh, I'm out of money and I have no idea why. And lots of people end up in that situation because they're not tracking things. So, you know, again, like I said, I use FreshBooks because of my personal connection and it is quite affordable. So check it out if that's something that makes sense to you. But there are other software packages out there. Wave is another one. Um, They're local to Toronto. Um, 
FreshBooks is as well, by the way. Um, it's free, Wave is. And, you know, I've heard good things about it. So that one's, you know, worth a quick look. Um, there's the bigger companies out there as well. I'm sure you can name some of them. So yeah, just find a piece of software you personally are comfortable enough using and if you're really uncomfortable, hire somebody to do this stuff for you. Like if you just can't do it, you really refuse, it is too hard for you. If you work for yourself, you have to do this stuff. So if you're really not comfortable doing it, hire somebody to do it. Okay, hire a bookkeeper. We'll get to that in a minute. That, uh, that's, that's a hint on one of the other, one of the other topics. But anyway, if you use a software package, it is going to make your tax time so much easier. If you get organized, you have your receipts um, organized in the same month that you make purchases. If you do all that stuff, when it comes to tax time, you're not going to be going, oh no, where did I put my box of receipts? And I don't remember if I have a receipt for that thing that I bought. And when did I buy that anyway? Is that valid for this tax season? And what do I do with that stuff? It's just, you're not going to have to worry about that come tax time. It's already going to be organized for you. You're going to thank yourself. You know, you're going to give yourself a pat on the back for doing that. So please do that. Tip number two for you guys is don't throw up any red flags or to put it more plainly, don't lie, kids. Okay, I know a lot of people like to kind of get uh, write-offs for everything that they can possibly think of so that they have to pay in less taxes. And I get that mindset, I really do. I mean, like I said at the beginning, nobody loves paying taxes. We understand why we have to pay them. We support it in general, but we don't love having to do the process of paying in our taxes, right? So don't claim things that aren't legit business expenses, please. It's just gonna make it so much worse if you ever do get audited, right? Don't, don't do it because the penalties suck. Having to pay extra sucks. I I don't know from personal experience because I haven't done this in the past, but I do know other people who've gotten caught and it wasn't a good thing. Here's an example. Like if you um, went to dinner with a friend, that's not a business expense. Unless you actually spent the whole time or pretty much the whole time talking about business. Like say your friend works in marketing and you wanted to talk to your friend about marketing for your business the whole time you were at dinner or lunch, you can claim that as a business expense. That's fine. Um, but don't do it if you like talked about business for five minutes and then spent the rest of the time catching up because you guys haven't had a chance to catch up in a while. That's not a business expense, okay? Just be reasonable about these things. Um, also, another hint about those types of write-offs. At least here in Canada, you can't write off all your car expenses or all your home office costs like rent or property tax and electric bills and heating and so on. You can't write off 100%. It's a percentage based on how much you actually use it for your business, okay? So again, just to be clear here, I'm talking about home office. I'm not talking about if you rent space exclusively for your business. I'm talking about home office expenses, right? So for example, don't say you use your home office 100% of the time. Therefore, you know, based on the square footage of your home office, you can write off the full amount because that's a lie. If your home office doubles as like your kid's playroom or as a reading room for you and your husband or your wife or your partner or um, the room, say, doubles as an art room or whatever it is, like it's something non-business use, you can't say that it's 100% a home office because it's not, okay? So don't get caught with that stuff because I've been told by accountants that that's one of the things that will cause CRA to flag your account. They'll go... Hmm, I wonder if this is actually truthful. And if you get audited, that sucks because you have to, like, 
so many things are going to be like uh, looked at like fine grain and they're going to look at all the picky little stuff and you may end up owing a lot more money and it's just not worth it. So be honest with this stuff and don't overestimate. Um, and by the way, that's my situation in terms of my home office. Yes, I run my business 100% from home, but my home office also doubles as my husband's home office. Um, he, he is employed, but um, he works a job where he's on call and also works a job that he can sometimes work from home. So he sometimes uses our home office as his personal office as well. And as well, it's our reading room. Um, and as well, actually, we have some clothing we keep and we store in here too. So this home office I have is not 100% a home office. It's like, I don't know. I can't remember what percentage I used. I, I actually figured it out once. Like I actually did a calculation to figure it out. I didn't just guess. So um, yeah, all's to say, don't lie about that stuff. Be honest. If your home office isn't 100% a home office, don't say it is. Also, uh, business use of car. This is another thing I know that people get caught on now. I've never used my car for business. Or maybe I did years ago. No, I no, I didn't. Now that I'm thinking about it. No, you know, here, here I am on the podcast thinking about, did I actually claim my car for business expense? I, no, I never did. Uh, we, we uh, when we lived in Ottawa, we had a car. And when we had, well, sorry, when we moved to Toronto, for the first few years we were here, we had a car. But I never really used it for business. I occasionally would like schlep things to and from an office with the car, but that was pretty rare. So I never claimed our car as a business expense because that just wasn't, you know, that wasn't right to do. Um, but I do know a lot of people who are like, oh, well, you know, I drive to and from work and I, you know, I go see clients occasionally at their home or whatever. I should be able to claim my car for business expenses. Not necessarily. It doesn't necessarily work that way, you know. Unless you're using your car 100% for business reasons, you don't try and say that you use your car 100% for business reasons. That's kind of not rocket science, right? I've actually been told that people tend to overestimate it. Even like even when they're trying to be honest, they're like, oh, well, you know, I think I use my car like 80% of the time for business and 20% for personal. But if you actually sat down and calculated it out, the number of times you're using your car to take your kids to a class, take yourself to a class, go on a road trip with friends, just drive to the store to get groceries, whatever. If you actually added all that stuff up, you would realize you use your car for business expenses way less than you think you do. So again, just be careful with that stuff. Claim the actual amount that you're using your car on business expenses to the actual amount that you're using it for business. Again, not rocket science here. And by the way, American listeners, here's the thing that I have learned about you guys. Maybe you didn't know this, and if you didn't, definitely check into it. Um, I've been told the situation is different there in terms of home office stuff. The IRS requires that you exclusively use a room or an area or whatever for home and it not double as another use. So that's something that we can do in Canada. Like I was mentioning, my home office has double use, but in the US, it has to be exclusive use. So um, look into that for your own tax situation. Again, I am not an accountant, but just kind of a warning there for you. Don't say something is one, you know, the, oh yeah, this is my home office and I use it 100% of the time when it's clearly not the case. You probably are going to get caught someday and that's really not worth it. Tip number three for you guys is be ready to pay your taxes. So, you know, unless you've been paying in regularly, like such as uh, people required to pay quarterly and adjust the final amount based on, you know, um, based on what they actually made and all that good stuff when they go to 
file their taxes at the end of the year or unless you're a super small business and you're not actually making enough to pay in much or anything at all with taxes, you know you're going to have to pay, right? Again, we all know that day comes. We all know we're going to have to pay in for the most part. Like I said, some of us are in situations where we don't. So do yourself a big favor and budget for paying your taxes. Have an account that you put a chunk of your income into every single month that is going to go towards paying your taxes when it comes time to file. In other words, treat it like you were employed, right? So if you're employed, for those of you who've never been employed, maybe this didn't really occur to you, probably it did, but the way it works is your employer takes a cut off each paycheck that goes towards taxes, right? And then come to tax time, you file your taxes and based on your personal situation, you might get some of that money back. Like it's your income tax return and then you get your income tax refund, right? If you're self-employed, you should treat it like you were employed. Not to say that like all the calculations are the same, but I'm just saying, pretend you are an employer, take off a percentage of your paycheck and put it into another account and then don't look at it again until it comes time to you know do something with that money. Um, usually pay your taxes, right? Because you're your own employer, so you should be managing the money in a similar fashion to the way an employer would do for an employee, Okay. This is way less stressful than waiting until it's close to tax time and hoping things work out. Just trust me on this one. I've known RMTs who do this and I've known other people in other professions, just RMTs are the people I tend to know the best because I used to be one myself, right? What they do is they, they don't really think about paying their taxes until it's about maybe January or February of the year that they're going to be filing. So in other words, like right now, if you, when you file for 2017, you know you're going to have to do it soon. You know you're going to have to pay those taxes soon. So you're starting to worry about it. Then you start saving like crazy in order to pay the bill when it comes to actually filing your taxes at the end of April. Um, caveat here, not everybody has to pay or not everybody, sorry, has to file right at the end of April, but they do need to pay in, you know, by the end of April. Um, that situation, again, talk to an accountant if you're not sure about how that works. And if you're incorporated, the situation is different. We will get to that in a moment as well. Again, I am not an accountant, so I'm not going to talk about it at length, but Basically, what ends up happening is these people end up working extra long hours in order to save enough money in order to pay their taxes. They end up kind of stressed out and maybe it doesn't work out in time. So they have to borrow out of a line of credit or something in order to pay their taxes. And then they're you know paying down the line of credit and they're paying interest on that. Or they pay their taxes late because they can't afford it and they have to pay interest on that because CRA will charge you interest if you don't pay on time, et cetera, et cetera, ad infinitum. That's not worth it. If you can avoid that situation, you should. So putting aside money in advance just makes so much sense. Now, I, I do want to say a caveat here. I understand if you were in the situation where money is super tight, you're in a tricky financial situation. You know, this is not a judgment on you at all. You know, I especially know that's really common in uh, Toronto or Vancouver, some of the more expensive cities where it's just really hard to make ends meet, uh, especially if they you work solo, you live solo. It's just, it's a tough situation financially. I get that. So this is not a judgment on you whatsoever. I'm talking about the people who could afford to put away some money towards tax time. Like they're not literally living paycheck to paycheck. Those of you who are in that situation where you can afford to pay in, you're, but you're not really budgeting, you're spending money throughout the year on so-called quote-unquote extras, you're going on vacation, you're buying new clothes, you're doing all these things because you think you have the money, 
And then come tax time, you go, oops, I forgot again. I guess I'm going to have to work extra hours in order to pay my taxes. That's just not smart. So just don't do that to yourself. It sucks. Put aside stuff for taxes on the regular. Now, one thing that people talk about all the time in like any kind of entrepreneur communities that I'm in is like, how much money should you be putting aside for your taxes? And I've heard 30%, I've heard 35%, I've heard 25%, I've heard a bunch of different numbers kind of quoted out there. But to be honest, there isn't a right answer for everybody. So sorry, I can't say that there's an exact answer for everybody. Um, if you want to put aside 50% of what you're making, that should cover it. But most of us can't afford to put aside half of what we're making towards taxes. Like we have, we have bills to pay and we have other things to do with our money. So yeah, how to figure out how much you be, should be putting aside is specific to your personal situation. So in Canada, you can look up what tax bracket you're in and what percentage you'll be expected to pay in income tax. So yeah, do that as a starting point. Now, don't forget there are other things you're going to have to pay. So for example, in Canada, you are going to have to pay into Canada Pension Plan. That's CPP for short. If you hear people talking about that, you never heard of it. Now you know what it is. You have to pay into that, both the uh, personal portion and the employer portion, since you are your own employer. And don't forget about HST. So unless you're in a profession and lucky you that doesn't have to pay into HST, such as, you know, the physios and chiros out there listening to this, you guys don't have to pay into that. But those of you who do, such as currently RMTs or um, personal trainers um, who are like fully self-employed, who don't work for a gym and, you know, have a... Um, like get a T4. In other words, if you're in a situation where you're taking the client's money yourself, you are fully self-employed, you are not getting a T4, you are not an employee, you need to think about HST. So what happens basically is when you hit 30K in a year, and one of the things that people get confused about is we don't mean, or we, ha, uh, they, as in CRA, doesn't mean 30K in a calendar year. They mean 30K in the last four quarters. So that could happen anytime. It could be like July, the middle of the year, and you realize, oh, I just hit 30K over the last four quarters. Now I have to register for HST. And they will notice. It's not like, it's not like when you file your taxes, they don't read it. <laughs> someday, you know, maybe they won't notice it right away, but someday you are going to get dinged for that. So just don't wait. You know, if you are eligible to, um, by eligible, I mean required, to register for HST and start charging it on your services or your products, if you happen to sell things as well, just do it when it comes time. And then you're going to have to adjust the amount that you're putting aside because you have to start saving money to give back to CRA when it comes tax time for your HST filing. So all's to say, like I already said, there isn't a one size fits all situation when it comes to how much money to put aside for tax time. Do your research based on your personal situation and then go with a number that makes sense for that. You might find you have to do a little adjustment when it comes to actually filing your taxes, but if you do it for a few years, you'll kind of get into a flow and you'll understand better how much you're going to need for tax time. And then you won't have to do so much adjusting when you actually file. And the last thing I wanted to talk about was a bit of advice I've received that I'll pass on to you guys. Now, you know, like I said, I've been working for myself for over a decade. I spent a good chunk of that as a registered massage therapist. So, you know, I've received some advice over the years about you know, filing your taxes and, you know, doing your own finances and all that kind of stuff. And, you know, the question that people ask is, can you file your own taxes and do your own accounting or should you hire a professional to do them for you? 
Well, first, and this is a really important take home message for like everything that has to do with running a business. Um, If you do not feel comfortable with doing it yourself, and that includes like building your own website, doing your marketing, like whatever, if you're really, really uncomfortable with it and just not willing to do it yourself, like just do not feel like you can do it yourself, hire somebody to do it for you, okay? Don't do it for yourself simply because you think it's going to save you a couple bucks when you're going to feel awful doing and you're going to feel really uncomfortable and like you're constantly making mistakes. Just save yourself that stress, put aside some money and hire a good accountant who understands um, people who work in your profession and your tax situation, okay? But let's say you feel comfortable with accounting and taxes and you feel like you could file yourself. Should you file yourself? Well, here's the thing. If you are self-employed, that is, you're not incorporated or you're not in another business structure, so you are fully self-employed, you are filing your um, professional income as part of your personal income tax. You don't have to file two separate income taxes, one as your personal and one as your business, okay? So if you're not incorporated, then yeah, you can file yourself if you are in a simple tax situation. So for example, you're an independent contractor, you have no employees, you're filing, like I said, as part of your personal taxes, you only work at, say, one or two locations, it's not a super complicated financial situation, everything's fairly clear, you can probably file on your own, it's not going to be a big deal. Um, I would recommend using tax software, don't don't go old-fashioned and do it like paper and pen, and then like just type the numbers into like a like some something at the end and and file it that way like or file it I think you can still fire file paper and pen these days but I haven't done it in god at least 10 years so so uh you know don't quote me on that one I could be wrong but um I strongly recommend using a software package that at least will give you tips for the self-employed person because you might realize that there's deductions that you didn't realize you were allowed to try and take. And by try, I mean sometimes you can uh, apply for a, a deduction or a rebate and you won't get it. Like a CRA will assess you and let you know if you're getting the rebate. Um, other things, yeah, it, it's, you know, you either get the deduction or you don't when you file your taxes. It's pretty more cut and dry. But anyway, um, in terms of uh, tax software I use, I use something called Simple Tax. I really like it. It's made, you know, here in Canada. It's easy to use. Um, there are other programs out there like UFile, TurboTax. Um, trying to think. There are some other ones out there. You know, any of the ones that are approved by CRA basically are fine. Um, but, you know, check out Simple Tax if that would interest you. If something that's super simple and easy to use appeals to you, check that one out. It may be something that works for you. Um, I find it's perfectly fine for my own business situation. So, you know, so there's a tip for you. But um, if you're incorporated, okay, if you have a different business structure, like I said, like you have to file a separate business tax and personal tax as two separate things, or you have a really complex tax situation. So even if you're self-employed, but say you're working at three different locations, plus you're doing uh, home visits for some people, plus you have speaking gigs that you're doing and that's different income, or maybe like you teach part-time and you work in a clinic part-time or a gym or a studio, or maybe you do some of everything. Like you uh, do acupuncture out of a clinic a few days a week and you do, you teach at a college a few days a week and you're also, but as a contractor, so you're not getting paid as an employee, that sometimes happens depending on where you're teaching. Um, And then you also teach yoga classes and it's just a mishmash of a bunch of stuff that's complicated and hard to track. 
don't don't file your own taxes. If if it gets weird and you're having a trouble just like figuring things out, you know, you can you can figure out how much money you're making, but you but it's really hard to track like, well, okay, I can take off a percentage of this and I can claim this for this, but I can't claim it for that and oh my god, you know, where do I go? Just hire an accountant. It will make your life easier. It is worth it to you. Just just do that, you know, especially if you're especially if you're making good money and you want to make sure that you're taking advantage of all of the um I keep wanting to call them discounts, the tax write-offs. That's the proper term. If you, if you want to make sure you're, you're uh, taking advantage of all the write-offs that are available to you and you're filing things properly, just hire an accountant. It is worth your time and money. Just make sure you are um, hiring an accountant that understands business taxes for health and wellness entrepreneurs. Don't just hire the first person that you meet. They may not be a right fit for you. They need they need to be somebody who understands you know the specifics of your kind of tax situation and not just like taxes in general. All right, that was a mouthful of topic. Hopefully you guys learned something from that and it's been helpful for you. Um, good luck this year, by the way, filing you know your taxes. I hope hope it all goes well. I know it is a stressful time for a lot of us. Uh, you know a lot of a lot of expenses and things to think about in terms of you know getting the taxes filed and having to pay them back and all that kind of stuff. So uh, yeah. Um, shoot me a message if you have any questions or you know are curious about anything and as well, if you live in another jurisdiction, like you live in, you know, another country that isn't Canada or the U.S., and uh, you just want to share with me a little bit about what it's like filing taxes in your country, I'd be curious to hear about that, to be honest, because I know I have listeners from all over the world. So it'd be kind of cool to hear about, you know, what it's like outside of Canada. And I sort of understand the U.S. situation a little bit because I have some entrepreneur friends in the U.S. But uh, yeah, so... Shoot me, shoot me a message, uh, Candice, C-A-N-D-I-C-E, at Nixie, N-Y-X-I-E dot C-A, anytime to talk about that or any podcast topics you guys might be curious about. All right, I will be back you, with you guys next week with another topic on health and wellness businesses. Thank you so much for listening, you guys. I really do appreciate your time and your efforts. The times that you guys contact me with ideas for the podcast or comments about episodes or ratings and reviews, all of that, I really love it. I read all of it. I do really appreciate you guys. Um, by the way, if you would like to leave me a formal review, of course, I would really appreciate that. Head on over to iTunes, find my podcast, so Life Beyond the Massage Table, click on ratings and reviews, and then just give me a rating and a review. Five stars, of course, and a glowing review. I'm, I'm, I'm kidding. You know, let me know what you really think, but I do appreciate five stars as well. Let's be real here. Now, for you guys that might be new to the podcast, let me briefly introduce myself here. My name is Candace Eisner, and I am a former massage therapist in the province of Ontario, and I've also worked in various other health and wellness careers. So I've got a pretty good view of what it's like to do what you guys do. My mission right now is to help those in health, wellness, and fitness careers build strong businesses because I really believe to my core that taking care of others has to start with taking care of you. So that's what this podcast is all about, is helping you build a business that really matches who you are and what you value and what's important to you so that you feel happy when you go to work each day. You feel like this career is the right one for you, that everything just works so much better for your life. Now, before I finish off and let you guys get about, you know, go about your day, I will mention where you can find me on social media if you would like to. The main place you can interact with me if you'd like to just chat or see what I'm posting about or, you know, get on my newsletter list or any of that kind of stuff. 
find me on Instagram. Um, Happy Little Biz is my username. Or of course, you can head over to my web- website, happylittlebiz.com, and there's links to all that stuff there. All right, that's it. Enjoy the rest of your day, and I'll be back at you soon.